Welcome, and thank you for listening to the Miami Vineyard Podcast. We hope this message encourages you, breathes life into you, and helps you experience God's love. Enjoy the message. Hey, hey, what's up, Miami Vineyard? How y'all doing today? You guys are good? You guys are excited? Y'all happy to be here today? You guys feel good? Awesome, awesome. Thank you guys so much for joining in. And for those of you that are joining us online, thank you for joining us online wherever you're at. We love you. Say hello in the chats and let us know that you're joining in. My name is Nick and I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, but Pastor Kevin is not here this weekend. I'm not Pastor Kevin, by the way, if you were curious. I'm not, I'm not. Pastor Kevin's not here this weekend. Uh, He is actually uh, today... Uh, he's running uh, the Miami Marathon right now. Uh, I think he actually just finished. Yeah, so it's, it's super cool. He woke up at 3.45 a.m. today um, while I was in the deepest REM cycle of my sleep. He was getting up to go on his Miami Marathon and, and 26.2 miles. And I, and, and I think he did it. I think he did it. So Pastor Kevin, uh, if you finished, we, man, we love you, cheering for you, praying for your recovery. Give, give, give Pastor Kevin some love however he's watching in. Yes, yes, um, yeah, and honestly, man, Pastor Kevin in, inspires me. I mean, 26.2 miles. 20, anybody run, ever run 26.2 miles? Anybody ever here? A couple, couple okay, just, just want to make sure who I know is clinically insane. Just want to just get a, get a feel for that. Okay, cool, cool. 26.2 miles is a lot. It, it, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot of miles. And so Pastor Kevin, at, at his ripe age of 35, is, is, still, is still going for it and, and still making it happen. And, and it's really inspirational. And, and honestly, just in, not even in, in just fitness, but in, but in every area, um, Pastor Kevin inspires me in a lot of different ways. Um, and I know he probably inspires a lot of us, uh, but I get the pleasure and the privilege of seeing him in, in some different spaces and, and some other places besides just when, when he's preaching and besides just in the hallway. I get to see him, you know, behind, behind closed doors. And, and honestly, it, he is inspiring in every way. His love for God, his love for people, his, his drive, his passion, his, his tenacity, his, his generosity, his joy, like he is inspiring. Um, and and, and I, I'm grateful for him and I'm grateful for all the people that God has placed in my life today and in years past that, that have really just inspired me, um, that have, that have have gone a little bit further down the road, right? They're, they're, they're wiser than me. They've done more life than me. They've gone ahead of me and, they, and, they do, and they've done some things. And I get to have them in my life to like guide me and to help me and, and to show me what, what, what does life really look like in, in this context, right? And I think all of us, regardless of, of, of what space that you're in, all of us from, from, from young ages up until now, all of us, we, we, we look for people, we look for people that can guide us, people that can inspire us, people that when we see their lives, we, we get clues as to what life should really look like. You, you guys with me? So when you're young, this is probably like your family of origin. Like you're getting all of your clues. You don't know how life works. You don't know how the world works. All of your clues for how life and how everything works comes from your family of origin, right? Um, everything that you, like how do, how do relationships work? Like how do, how do family dynamics work? How do traditions work? All that you get from your family of origin. And then as you grow up, right? As you grow up, you, you know, from teachers and coaches and mentors and people and friends and, and coworkers and people in your life, all of us have people in our lives that we look to like, man, like, like, I, I like the way that you live your life, and I'd like you to help me figure out how to live my life and to emulate in that kind of way. And, and this is honestly, this is why celebrity culture is such a real thing. This is why celebrity culture is, is, is so big and so huge, because all of us, whether, whether you like to follow athletes or politicians or businessmen, right, or, or actresses, actors, influencers, like all of us have people in our lives that we don't actually know, right? But we look at their life and we're like, man, they're living good, 
or at least better than me, right? Like they're, they're living to a certain standard. They, they have a certain level of excellence in whatever category. And I want to be like them to some degree. I want to learn, like, what, what is that? Like, how do, how, do, how do I have that life and how do I emulate that life? I think every single one of us are looking for models and looking for people to help us live the good life, right? The good life. And, and here's the thing. So marketers and advertisers, they know this really, really well, guys. They know this really, really well. And so companies, right, Fortune 500 companies commit millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars just to their advertisements on Super Bowl Sunday. And then the rest of the year, they spend millions and millions and millions and millions of more dollars to market to you and to advertise to you and to promote to you what the good life can look like with their product, <laughs> right? Like that, that's, the, that's the idea that marketers and, and advertisers do. Like, man, like this is the good life with this product or service, right? And so there are people that get paid a lot of money to come up with creative ideas on how to present to you the good life with the product that they're trying to sell. So I, I, gave y'all, I wanna give you all some examples. Um, I, I watch commercials sometimes in between shows and, and stuff like that in sports games. And so um, behind me are, are gonna be some examples. So the first one, first one is, is, is a, kind of an insurance example, right? And so you may have seen this recently. It's like State Farm commercial where, where Ludacris pops up out of nowhere in the middle of a flooded home, right? So the couple comes home, it's a flooded home and all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, this is ludicrous. And then ludicrous pops up, right? And he's like, no, like, you, you don't need me. Like you need Jake from State Farm. And then Jake from State Farm pops up and, and Jake from State Farm, like he fixes everything all the time. Every single commercial that Jake from State Farm pops up, he fixes everything. And he's so friendly and he's so nice. And he's like, hey, help me. He's like, okay, cool. We'll figure it out. We'll make it work. And I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you know this. What, what they're trying to do is to tell you, hey, like even when things happen, like peace, security, peace of mind, like, like you're, you're going to be stable if you have Jake from State Farm in your pocket, right? But I, I, and if anybody's here has actually ever had to make a claim for home insurance, you know it is not Jake from State Farm that comes in and helps you out. Like, it is the toughest thing. You are pulling teeth to get those people to give you anything. Unfortunately, it's not real. It's not Jake from State Farm. So an- another example, and this is a common one, especially if you're watching, you know, the championship games today with the AFC, NFC, um, you'll see a lot of these, right? These are beer commercials, right? Beer commercials. And they're always giving you this, like, image and this picture of, like, these perfect people that live these perfect lives, and they look so happy, and they look like they're having such a great time and they're on vacation, they're having a great time with said beer in front, right? Like that's the key. And so, so beer becomes the key that we're gonna have this amazing, good, awesome, prosperous life with this beer, right? And so this is what they're doing. They're, they're trying to sell you their product to show you a picture of what does the good life look like with our product, right? And so if I could offer you a little bit of hope, if you're, if you're starting to get a little bit skeptic on, on what the good life actually is and well, who says what is the good life and all that, can I just invite you to lean in and to just, because we know that God created life. God, so I'm gonna talk about God for just a second, if that's okay. So God, God created life and God created everything that we see and he sustains it all. And so he does not just have life, he is life and he created life and he formed life and he formed humans in his likeness and his image and he gave them a template for what life can look like. So if you've been getting a little skeptical, if you're getting a, if you're getting a little unsure about what the good life is, I just wanna breathe some life and some hope and some encouragement to you that we know one who has the good life, who is good and has life and wants to offer you life and life abundantly Anybody believe that God wants to give them life and wants to give them what he has for them, his plan for them. He is the copyright patent founder of the good life because he is good and he is life. That's what it is. That's what he's trying to do. And, that, and that's what we want to talk about today. We're in the final part of our Thrive series and we're going to unpack this idea of the good life. 
of the good life. So if, if you got a Bible, you can flip with me over to Deuteronomy uh, chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30. If you got a digital Bible, you can tap to that. If, it's all good. If you don't, everything's gonna be on the screens behind me or if you're online, it's gonna be like right there, everything right there. So um, also I wanna invite you to check in with our message notes. We got message notes for you that are gonna have all the verses and some fill-ins that we're gonna be talking about today. I just wanna encourage you to get, grab those message notes, look at them, if you don't have the Miami Vineyard app yet, that's the best way to look at our message notes. You can go to your app store right now, search Miami Vineyard, download it right there, and you'll hit this weekend, hit message notes, and everything will be there digitally. If not, if, you, if you're in person, if you prefer paper, we have paper uh, notes in every single exit on the pub tables right there for you to be able to use with your pens. All right, so we're in Deuteronomy chapter 30, and I don't know if you're anything like me, but we're, just, we're, like, we're about to start like right in the middle uh, or towards the end of this big thing that's been happening, right? And so if you're anything like me, like when I go to a friend's house and, and, they, and they put on a show, they're like, okay, well, let's watch the show, and they start on season five, episode six, I'm be like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, right, right, um, can, can you please catch me up? Like, I don't, I, don't need, I don't need all the details, but give me a little bit of what's been going on up to this point. Like, because I, I like to know what's happening. So if anybody here wants a little previously on, I'm, I'm gonna walk you through a little bit of where we've been so far up until Deuteronomy 30. Sounds good? Okay, cool, cool, cool. Okay, sounds good. So there's this guy named Moses. Most of y'all may have heard of this guy named Moses. So Moses is born as a, as a baby Israelite boy um, in, in the nation of Egypt when his people are slaves to the Egyptians. And also, what's more than that, Pharaoh had just decreed because he was starting to get a little afraid of the Israelites because they were growing so much that he actually uh, ordered a mass genocide on all the baby boys. And so that's a really precarious position if you're in Moses' position as a baby boy. And so all of a sudden, so some time goes by, and finally his mother has to give him up, and, and, and she doesn't want to give him up to the Egyptians, so she just puts him into the Nile River in a basket. And if you know anything about the Nile River, you know that that's almost certain death. I don't know if you've ever seen Nile crocodiles or Nile serpents. Like, it is crazy up in the Nile, right? Like, so he's almost for sure going to die. But what happens is that Pharaoh's daughter actually grabs him and scoops him up and starts to raise him as her own. And so he grows up in Pharaoh's house. And then some time goes by and he eventually gets into this situation where he actually kills a man. And so then he has to run and flee and he's a fugitive from his own nation. And he goes into this distant land and he gets a wife, gets some kids and starts to just live his life. Until one day at age 80 years old, he's an old head. At 80 years old, he sees this burning bush off in the distance as a shepherd. He sees the burning bush. He's like, let me go check this out. And, and all of a sudden, God starts to speak to him from the burning bush, and God tells him, hey, I'm going to redeem and free and rescue the Israelites. I've heard their cries, and I've come to free them from their oppression. And so you go, Moses, and you're going to, I'm going to use you to deliver them from their slavery and from their oppression. And so they have some back and forth. Moses isn't sure, but finally he goes, and all of a sudden, he's in Egypt, and signs, and wonders, and plagues, and finally Pharaoh decides to let them go. And so the Israelites, they're leaving, they're going, but the Egyptians then change their minds, so they're chasing after them and they go to the Red Sea and they're trapped but then the Red Sea splits right open and they go through the Red Sea and the Egyptians are chasing after them they get to the other side of the Red Sea Red Sea crashes down on the Egyptians and they're free and they're safe and everything is good for like a few days and then they start to like doubt God they're like God we're hungry God we're thirsty like it's crazy in here like do you know how crazy the wilderness is? And, and just time goes on and, and they stay at Mount Sinai for a year and God gives them, okay, he says, okay, okay, okay. I've delivered you out of Egypt, but now I'm gonna show you what it looks like to live when I'm in charge. So what he's trying to do, he, he's getting, he got them out of Egypt, but he's trying to bring Egypt out of them now because they learned some things in Egypt and they learned some ways of doing things and they learned some ways of treating people and God is wanting to reset and restart. He's like, okay, no, this is how you should live. And that's what the law is. God is giving them in their own context what it looks like to live the good life, 
to live a life of humility, of generosity, of purity, and he's giving them the good life, and they kind of go back and forth, and a lot of stuff happens. We'll fast forward through all the episodes. You can check this out. It's, it's, it's really in the Bible. This is not a, like a, this is not a drama show. Like, this is real like Bible stuff. Um, and, and, so, and so we get to the end, right? So a whole, a whole 40 years pass by while they're in the wilderness. Moses is 120 years old. The age that PK's praying to get to, right? The age that he's trying to get to. Moses gets to that age. If you didn't get that, you got to go check out last weekend's message. Uh, so he's 120 years old, and he's, and he's with the next generation of Israelites as they're about to go into this promised land that God had promised them. And so he's about to die, and he's about to go, but he wants to give his people like one final, a few final words, a few final like encouragements. He's pleading with them to continue to trust God even after he passes away. And now we're in Deuteronomy 30. Y'all ready? Deuteronomy 30? All right, cool. Here we go. We're going to start in verse 11, Deuteronomy chapter 30. He says, Moses, now says, Now what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. So what, what, what's Moses talking about here? The, the idea that Moses is saying is the stuff that I'm inviting you into, to trust God, to listen to God, to lean into the word that he has for you, it is not too far from you. He says it's not, it's not, it's not up in heaven to where you can't go and, and it's not too lofty for you and it's not beyond the horizon to where you can't see it. It's, it's, it's not too far that you can't get to it and it's not too far that you can't see it. The word that I'm giving to you is close to you. The word that God has for you is close to you. Why? Why? Because Moses is saying, because God is close to you. Y'all know that if you, if you hear somebody's word, like their voice, that means they're probably close to you. They're probably nearby you. This is before the age of technology, right, where, where speakers and microphones enable us to project sound like far more greater. I promise you, if I didn't have this microphone, well, the online family would be out of luck. But if I didn't have this microphone here in person, the people in the back, they'd start to fill into the front because you want to hear my voice. To hear my voice is to be close to me. And so to hear the word, he says, he says listen, the word is not far from you because God is not far from you. The word that God is sharing with you is not far because God has chosen to come close to you. Y'all, y'all follow me? so far. God has chosen to come close. And I'm telling y'all, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, from garden to now, God has chosen to be close to his people. He's not distant. He's not far off. From the garden all the way, all the way up until this moment with Moses and up till today, God delights in choosing to be close to his people. He is not absent and he is not distant. Psalm 46.1 tells us that, that, that God is an ever-present help in times of trouble. He's present and he's with us and he's not left us or abandoned us. And this is point number one if you're following along in your message notes. It's that the good life giver is close. The good life giver is close. If the word is close to you, then the one who spoke the word is therefore close to you. Y'all following me? I want to show you just a little picture of, of what this actually looked like in their context in the wilderness at this time. So there's a picture coming up of how God instructed the Israelites to assemble, right? So they, they would move from the wilderness and they'd go from place to place during their 40 years in the wilderness. And once in a while they'd camp and they'd set up camp in a certain spot. And so this is kind of a rendering of what it might've looked like. But so the key here, the key here is that all the tribes are assembling in these different areas, but you see what's there in the center? You guys see what's there in the center? So that smoke, that, that, that cloud is the presence of God. 
So God throughout the wilderness in in fire and in smoke would be present with the people. He didn't just stay up there, but he showed up and he came down and he dwelled in the middle of their camp. He's always chosen to be close to this people in whatever form or fashion, through his son, through his spirit, through the, like he has chosen to be close to his people. He planned it out. He set it up. He said, put me right in the middle of these people because I want to be with them. I want to know, know them and I want them to know me. The good life giver is close. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Verse 15. So Moses keeps going. He, he, he says in verse 15, he says, see, today I'm setting before you today life and prosperity, and death, and destruction. It's two paths. I'm giving you all two paths. Life and prosperity, death, and destruction. How do we have life? How do we, how, how do we, how do we avoid death and destruction? He says, I'm commanding you today to love the Lord your God. Walk in obedience to him. Keep his commands, decrees, and laws. And then you will live and increase. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. If you listen to him, he will take care of you. Trust him, lean on him, look to him, depend on him. He says that he, he, he wants to bless you. Trust him. He says, but verse 17, but if your heart turns away and you're not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. So just to offer a little bit of clarity on, on that last verse. So because I think some people, based on whatever, you know, church tradition, different things that you heard from different people or the media, people think that when, when they see stuff like that, they, they think like, oh man, when I turn away from God, he's going to like strike me down. Like he's out to get me. He's out to kill me, right? So this is not what God is saying. This is not what Moses is saying. He's saying God is life, right? God is life. He's the source of life. He knows how life goes. And he says, and he is the only source of life. And so he says, if you choose him, you will have life. If you don't, what else is there? That's the idea. It, it's, it's, not, it's not that if you turn away from God that he's coming to chase down after you and kill you and strike you. Like, it, it's, it's that if you turn away from life, what else is there but death? To turn our backs on life himself is to embrace our own demise, right? So what, what I'm saying here is that, is, that, is that death is not a punishment. Death is simply just a result. It's simply just cause and effect. To turn away from life himself is to embrace our own demise and to embrace our own death. And so just to kind of illustrate a little bit of this, of this cause and effect thing and, and, and this punishment thing, I just want to, I want to talk to my parents for a second and just kind of illustrate this. So my parents in the house, raise, raise your hands, my parents, my parents. Cool, cool, cool. The ones that are okay to admit it. Okay, cool. My parents. All right, cool. So r- real quick, just, just as, as an aside, side note, I'm, I'm, I'm joining y'all. I'm joining the, the parenthood club. My, my wife and I are having a baby. My, my wife is 32 weeks pregnant. Uh, we're having a baby girl, uh, due date March 24th. So we appreciate your love and your, and your, and your prayers for her. Yes, yes. My, my, my wife's ready to go. I'm getting ready, y'all. I'm getting ready. So pr- pr- pray for me. Give me all the wisdom you got, right? So anyway, so, so I'm joining y'all for, for, team, for team parents. But my parents, my parents. So I've, I've learned because y'all have told me stuff like this. And I also was a kid before, so I kind of know how it goes. So my parents, so when you have younger kids, right? And say, for instance, you go out, you know, you go to church and there's a small group expo and there's a lot of candy there, right? There's a lot, a, lot of, a lot of candy out in the hallway or for any holiday, right? Any type of holiday, your kids get like a lot of candy, right? You do Christmas, Easter, Halloween, like whatever holiday you want to talk about. And they get a lot of candy, right? They got bags of candy. They got all this candy. And you're probably going to tell them when they get all this candy, hey, just maybe a few pieces of candy at a time, right? That's good wisdom, right? That, that's good advice. That's good advice. Um, 
Ah. <laughs> and then you happen to, you know, you walk away for a little bit, you do your thing, or, or, or you're at a birthday party, and there's cake, right? And you, and, you, and you tell your kid, hey, 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 one slice of cake to start. Let's, 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 let's do one slice of cake, right? And you go off, and you go to the bathroom, and you go talk to somebody, and then you come back, and they got like fistfuls of cake. They got like all the cake in their eyes. They look like animals. Like cake, cake is all over them. They ate all the cake, right? Or they ate, they ate all the candy. Just guessing, what's probably going to happen in, you know, maybe an hour or two? Yeah, they're, 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 probably, they're probably, if you're guessing, they're probably going to get a little sick. They're probably going to get a little bit of a tummy ache. And, and, and they, might, they might just throw up, right? They might just throw up and get really sick, right? And because, because why? You were wise, and you've, you've gone through a little bit more life than them, right? And you have a little bit of more maturity about you, right? And so you were like, hey, if you eat all of this, it's probably, it's going to taste good in the moment, but it's probably not going to be good eventually, right? You've, you've walked through life. You have some wisdom, they tasted the candy and they're like, mm, this tastes really good. Therefore, I should have more. That's how kids process, right? That, that, that's how kids process. It's really good. Therefore, I should have more and I will feel good more, right? But we know if you have too much of this, it's probably not going to be for your good, right? And so them throwing up and them getting sick, was that a punishment that you levied on them? Or is that simply just the result of their decision? And that's the idea. God is life. And like a good father, he pleads with us, like, choose me, trust me, look to me. Not because he's egotistical and because he needs adoration, but because it's good for you. To look to him is to have life. This is, this is, this is point number two of your notes if you're following along. It's that the good life giver is my only hope. He is my only hope. There is, no, there is nothing and no one else that has life. If, 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 if God had somebody else, if there was somebody else that was better, that had life, I believe that God has, is humble enough to point you to that, but it does not exist. C.S. Lewis, one of the great theologians and, and Christian writers from the past century, he, he says it like this in his quote. He says here that God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from, itself, apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing to search for happiness and peace and joy and fulfillment apart from the God who made everything and is good and made everything as it was good. To walk away from that, there's nothing else. There's nothing else. And so like a good father, he is pleading and asking, and, and like, please, would you choose me? Would you choose life? Not because I need it, but because that's how I've designed you to be in relationship with me to love me and experience my love for you. That's how he designed us. There is no other method. There, there, is no, there was no other means. God presents himself as the only option. And so he invites us to choose him, not because he needs it, because we do. We need him. We need him. Let, let, let's, let's, let's keep going. Y'all with me so far? Y'all are just, just t taking a pulse check on you guys. Okay, cool. You guys are good. You guys are good. All right, cool. All right, verse 19, and, and, and as I keep going, like if, if, you just, if you just picture Moses at the end of his life sharing this with the Israelites, sharing this with his people, but people that he knows are kind of like, ah, they're kind of back and forth, they're kind of iffy, right? And he's like, if you could just sense the urgency in Moses' voice when he says things like, this day, he gets kind of extra, y'all. He says, this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death blessings and curses. Now choose life. You hear that urgent, like choose life. I'm pleading with you. I'm begging you that you would choose life so that you 
and your children may live. And this is really interesting because, because our choices that we make today, they, we think that sometimes they just affect us. I don't know if you've ever heard that or you've, like all oh, the stuff that I'm doing, like it's just, it's just me. Like if it doesn't bother anybody else, it's, it's just affecting me. That is a lie. The choices that we make today make an impact and reverberate and echo into the generations after us. The choices that you make right now have an impact, whether you have kids or not. The choices you make in every area of your life, they have a residual effect on generations after you. It's, it's the truth, the things that exist today, the, the problems that we have in our world and in our culture today, things like racism, things like hate, things like world hunger, things like economic inequality, things like division, like all these things exist because of decisions of generations before us. We inherited these problems from choices that people made. And people, generations from now, are going to inherit the choices that we make. We don't live our lives in a bubble the choices that we make. And so he says, I'm begging you, choose life, if not only for yourself, for those that come after you, that you would choose him. And God knows from beginning to end, and, and he knows, he knows the decisions that the Israelites make in that moment are going to exponentially affect the generations after them in that land. He knows, and we see it from history, and we see it today, the decisions that we make. So he begs them, please choose life so that you would have life and that your children would have life. Choose life that you and your children may live, verse 20, and that you, as a result, that you would love the Lord your God, that you'd listen to his voice, and that you'd cling to him, that you'd hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life. He doesn't just have life. He is your life. And he will give you many years in the land he swore to give your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So that's a, that's a promise that Moses gives. It's like, choose life, choose the Lord, trust him. I know there's gonna be a lot of options. There's gonna be a lot of other gods. There's gonna be a lot of other ideas. Choose God, trust God, lean into God, listen to God, let him lead you, let him guide you, let him tell you how life should go and trust him. So just real quick, just so, so they, then eventually Moses dies, right? And then and Joshua gets raised up and the Israelites go into the land. They have the land for, for, for a little bit. So just real quick, just, just any guesses, y'all could talk back to me, any guesses, like how many, over under, how many generations does it take for them to turn away from God? Just over under, just come on. Like two, one, a few, yeah, yeah. Like, like not even one, y'all, <laughs> like, like not even one. Like it does not take long at all for them to start to turn their backs on God. And so this is a story of the rest of Israelite history. So they, they, they turn away from God and then, and then God pursues them and God brings them back and he draws them to himself and he redeems them and he rescues them from their own issues. And then they turn from him and then he brings them back and redeems them and rescues them and they turn from him and he redeems them and rescues them and then they turn from him. And this is the cycle over and over and over. And he sends prophet after prophet and person after person to redeem them and to bring them back and to invite like, please, would you choose God? Would you choose his ways? And would you have the good life? Because he who is good is the one that has life. And constantly, over and over, generation after generation. So finally, finally, after all those years, God decides, I'm no longer just going to send messengers. I'm going to show up myself. That's what God decides to do. I'm going to, I'm going to show up myself. I'm going to show up onto the scene. No, no, no more messengers. I'm going to be the one. 
And all of a sudden there's this man, Jesus of Nazareth, that shows up and starts to make claims about himself and his divinity and that that he existed long before the earth was even formed. And he starts to do some things and say some things. And he tells the people that are following him, he says, hey, if you listen to what I'm telling you, there's there's that word again, listen. He says, if you listen to what I tell you, if you build your life on these words, if you trust me with all of your life, he says, you will be like one who lays their house on a firm foundation that winds may come and rain may blow, but you will have your foundation upon the rock and you will not be swayed no matter what comes your way. Jesus says to listen to him, to listen to him and to trust him. And he doesn't just talk about it, he models this. What, what does life look like when God is actually in charge? That's what, we, that's what we mean when we say the kingdom of God. If you ever wonder what the kingdom of God is, it is what does life look like when God is in charge? That's the kingdom of God. And and, and Jesus brings the kingdom of God and he models the kingdom of God and he shows us the kingdom of God and he demonstrates it fully on the cross. And he pays for all of the wickedness and the sin and all the stuff that we've had, all the stuff that we've done, all the stuff that has ever happened, all the stuff that ever will happen, he pays for it, but he doesn't just pay for it, he defeats it and he's victorious over it because he did not stay in the grave, but he resurrected on that third day and reigns over everything still today. This is who he is. And so therefore, the writer of Hebrews tells us, he says that, this is Hebrews chapter one at the beginning, he tells the early church, he says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times. So your Moseses, right? Your, your Joshua's, your David's, your, your, your Jeremiah's, your Isaiah's, your Malachi's, right? Like he spoke at many times through the prophets, many times different ways. But in these last days, he's chosen to speak to us by his son whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he also made the universe. This is point number three, if you're following along. The good life giver is close. The good life giver is my only hope. And the good life giver is Jesus. This is who he is. The good life. The good life giver is Jesus. I, I don't know, I don't know what, you, what, what your picture of, of the good life is, if you got your ideas of the good life from Kanye West and T-Pain, if you got your good ideas, some of y'all got that, right? It, it, whatever your ideas of the good life are, right? Like Jesus comes to redefine that. Jesus comes to, to, to turn it up on its head. And, and, and you, if, you, if you read Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew, Matthew 7, he lays it all down. He's like, this is what it looks like when God is in charge. If someone strikes you, you turn the cheek because God's in charge and you don't need to get back at him. If, so, if someone steals your shirt, give them your coat also because you trust that God is gonna take care of you. Like forgive freely. Like don't hold grudges. Like love people well, serve people well. Trust me with everything. Trust me with your finances. Trust me with your married life. Trust me with your sex life. Trust me in every single area of your life. Jesus has a lot to say about everything. And he invites us to listen to him. And finally, the father himself shows up in Mark chapter nine in, in a cloud again to, to affirm what Jesus is doing. And he tells the people, he says, this here is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Listen to him. Trust him. Lean on him. This is what Moses was talking about. Like, like he is your life. Look to him, depend on him. It, 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 may, it, may, it may not be like very easy. It, it rarely is easy. 
if you've been following Jesus for, for, for 10 minutes or for 10 years, it, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't get easy. It's always challenging because there's always those moments where we want to eat the whole bag of candy. <laughs> like there's always those moments where we, where we just want to lean on our own wisdom and like, ah, but this, this, ah, this seems like the right way though. I should, I should probably choose this way. To continue to trust him, to continue to lean on him. Maybe, maybe, maybe some of y'all today, like you, you, you trusted him and you leaned on him a long time ago and you kind of just started to do things your own way. And c- c- can I invite you to just come back? That we can take a thousand steps away from Jesus and he still is always one step away. Why? Because he's been pursuing you. Because he's been looking for you. Because he's been chasing after you, not to get you, but to redeem you and to welcome you back in and to be in relationship with the God who made you, the God who formed everything, the God who loves you, the God who died for you, that we would listen to him. The good life is defined by living our lives according to the one who is good. That's the good life. The one who is good has life. And if we trust him with our lives, we have the good life. It doesn't mean you have all the commas behind the, in the bank account. It, it, it doesn't mean that you'll have all the stuff. It doesn't mean that everything is never going to, like, that you're never going to have any problems and nothing's ever bad's going to happen. But it doesn't mean that you'll never be alone. That this world is broken. And Jesus says, in this world that you have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So we trust him in every season, in every moment. And that's really how we thrive. That's really how we thrive. Let's, let, let's, let's pray together. Let's pray together. I've, I've, I've been talking a lot. I just want to just create a moment just for you and God, for us and God. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in this space. God, right here in person, for those of us that are joining online, God, thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you for what you're up to. God, thank you for pursuing us when we ran away. Thank you for your forgiveness and your love when we did not choose life and we chose to embrace our own demise, but you did not just leave us there, that you came after us, not to get us, but to free us, not to strike us down, but to lift us up. God, thank you for what you're doing right now. Even even right now as we're praying, I just, maybe this is you. Maybe you just need to hear that, that God has not given up on you. You feel like you feel like giving up on yourself. So surely God must have given up on you a long time ago. Can I just encourage you? God has not given up on you. I just feel like that's for some of you. Just God has not given up on you. He's here. He's here. Father, thank you. Thank you for not giving up on us. Thank you for, for your grace and for your love and your mercy. God, would you let today be a reset moment for some of us? That man, like life's been crazy and I've been making a lot of decisions. I've been making a lot of moves and I've been doing a lot of things, but I've, I've not really been, been looking to God for how to do these things. God, let today be a reset moment for some of us. Let, let, let us today just leave these doors and, and, and log off online with the, with the resolve that I, I'm, I'm gonna lean on God tomorrow, this week, this month, this year, I'm gonna lean on God and I'm gonna look to him and I'm gonna listen for him. 
and as, and as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I just, I want to give maybe some of you an opportunity to just say yes to this relationship with Jesus. Maybe, maybe you're here in this room and, and you, don't, you don't have a moment that you can look back to where you actually said, I want to have a relationship with Jesus. I, I want Jesus to be in control. I want him to give me life and I want, and I want him to lead my life. I want to give you an opportunity today. Maybe this is your moment. Maybe you didn't show up here by accident. Maybe you didn't come here just because somebody invited you or because you saw a sign or you saw something on the internet. Maybe, maybe God really wants you here for this moment. Maybe. And if that's you, and if, and if you feel like this is your moment that you just want to respond and, and say yes to having a relationship with Jesus and commit your life to Jesus, I just want to pray a quick prayer. And you could pray it in your heart. You don't got to pray it out loud. This is not for the people next to you. This is not for the person you got invited by. This is just a moment between you and God. I'll pray it out loud. You pray it in your heart. Say, Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you that I am not bound to my own shame. Thank you that you really did pay for every single sin I have ever done or will ever do. And thank you that you welcomed me with open arms. I have never known a love like this. Jesus, I don't have all the answers. I don't have it all figured out. But with the clarity I have today, I simply respond to you by saying yes. Lead me, Jesus. Take control, Jesus. Call the shots. Lead my life. I'm yours. Thank you for freeing me. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining in today. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to leave a review, subscribe to this channel, and share with a friend. We'd also love the chance to connect with you. You can text the word NEW to 786-705-8930. Again, that's NEW to 786-705-8930. And we'll give you some next steps with how to plug in and get connected here at Miami Vineyard. We hope you have an amazing week, and thanks again for listening.